Welcome to In Touch Think STEM Career Podcast. I am Dr. Ayola Fade, the host of In Touch Think STEM Career Podcast. STEM is vital to our community because our community's health economy and the future depends on this, our solid foundation and participation in the innovation, innovation taking place in the STEM field. This podcast explores the evolving world of science, technology, engineering, arts, mathematics, and medicine in underrepresented community, including Black, Indigenous, and the people of color. As the STEAM field continues to evolve, this podcast will attempt to connect with men and women who are champions of and in STEM education and career careers to gain insight into how the BIPOC community can be part of the STEM innovation. And also to support and inspire the creation of innovative solutions for sustainable development that will contribute to positive change in the BIPOC community for improving the quality of life. Today, I am fortunate and, and I am blessed uh, and I'm gonna be talking with Dr. Norris Harris II, a 25-year-old third-year medical student at Temple uh, University in Philadelphia, who works not only as a student, but an influencer on TikTok. Dr. Norris, Dr. Harris, welcome to In Touch Think STEM Careers podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. 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 Harris. You were brought up to my attention by a colleague that a twenty-five-year-old African American medical student was trending and becoming an influencer on TikTok. The moment I heard that. Uh, since I've started this podcast, I knew right away that I have to meet you. I have to meet your acquaintance and invite you to have a conversation on In, In Touch Think STEAM Career Podcast. Dr. Harris, can you please tell me about yourself and tell the whole world about who you are? <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm actually, I'm super excited to be here. Uh, this is kind of like right up my alley is what I do anyway. Uh, Big on STEM, big on mentorship, giving back, uh, making sure people have like the tools to um, just achieve whatever they want to achieve, medicine or anything else. And I think this is uh, definitely one of those things where it's kind of like a if you know, you know culture. And it's very important for us, like, um, for us to make um, things like this mainstream. So, so as for me, uh, I don't even know where to start. Um, you can start anywhere. <laughs> Originally from, uh, I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee. Like you said, I'm 25. I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee, and um, kind of always had an idea that I wanted to go into medicine in some kind of capacity. Uh, I was like a sick child, like asthma and allergies real bad, always kind of in and out, like the uh, in and out of the hospital, and. Um, I guess just engaging with the medical system so frequently and so early kind of got like the wheels kind of turning 
Um, I used to go, I got vivid memories, like going to my pediatrician, like on a weekly basis to get like allergy shots to make sure I was like, um, to make sure my immune system was, uh, was intact enough to deal with kind of like the allergens that were out there. I was allergic to pretty much like anything, you name it, and I was allergic to it. So I had to get like weekly injections to make sure that I was like, um, intact enough to just live regular life, pollen, dust, all the types of stuff. And um, just kind of like those early formative memories, like I said, kind of got the wheels turning. Uh, I kind of swayed from the path a little bit. I thought about um, I thought about um, being a teacher. Got a lot of experience with like education, with tutoring and mentorship and classrooms and all that type of stuff. Uh, I did a lot of that in high school. I did a lot of that in um, my undergraduate um and did a lot of that during my gap year before starting medical school. I had a lot of education experience. So it almost like swept me away. But <laughs> I had I had a teacher tell me like Norman, like when it come down to being like a doctor versus a teacher, like she told me there'll always be another like good teacher to come around, but not everybody's gonna put in that work to like be a medical doctor. And if you are a person that has the option of doing both and the work ethic to do both then just just do it i was like i never thought about it like that like i can i, I can i can trust in good faith that somebody else can pick up this torch and do it just as good and then i like just keep on trucking so here i am third year uh, it's almost decision time I'm actually in the process of making my uh my fourth year schedule now and starting to think about residency and everything beyond that so excellent. there we have it excellent excellent man uh, you all have been a really uh, great asset in teaching and education. But you can always do that. But again, your teacher, your former mentor was wise. Uh, she gave you a really sound advice. But you know what? <clears throat> Once you're done with your residency, with your spare time, you can come, you can come to this side. <laughs> <laughs> he said it's not too late now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, in education and teaching, we've got a lot of medical doctors too. So, uh, so yeah. so uh, maybe when you retire, maybe that can be a, a second career. At the same time, you know, with all that medical uh, school and uh, all that science knowledge and math knowledge, right? Uh, you can uh, your spare time, you can continue to, uh, you know, tutor and help the young ones coming along, but. Uh, and I'm going to tie that. I'm going to come back to that uh, leadership skill, especially in tutoring, because I know when you were at Howard, you were also uh, instrumental, actually, in creating an initiative that went across the campus. But we're going to come back to that. But right now, I truly want to emphasize on something phenomenal that you're doing on, on TikTok. So you became an influencer. So how did you get to become an influence. I've been trying, right, to be an influencer, but here we go. I mean, how did you go from, let's say, a few, you know, uh, you know, followers to over thousands and a million, you know, I mean, followers? It's incredible. I still ask myself how it happened. Honestly, like, it literally happened within a week like uh like I said I have like a, a education background like the, the mentorship kind of thing has always kind of been my thing 
like I said, got started with that in high school. But um, what you what initially even started the TikTok was uh, me recording uh, videos for YouTube, which I was started initially. Uh, I initially recorded my experience as a Fulbright scholar in South Africa. Yeah. Um, after during my gap year between Howard and Temple, I spent what should have been a year in South Africa as like an English teacher and like a cultural ambassador uh, where I was um, I was blessed enough to have the chance to like um, share like a piece of black culture with mm -hmm. the um, with the students there at my secondary school that I was assigned to um, and using um, using like uh, African-American culture as a as a tool to teach English as a tool to um, teach dance, teach step to them as well. And making sure that I made the strides to make sure that that an experience like that was documented because I know how uncommon it is for us to get those opportunities to be able to uh, have an impact on that type of scale. So it started off doing it like that. And um, really once school started, is when like my time kind of started getting like kind of tight. I was like, hold on now. So I started the first two years. I was able to kind of keep it up the first two years. And I started like, I started seeing myself slowly fall off once it started getting towards the clinical phase of medical school. Cause mm -hmm. like you clock out of like one job at the hospital and you clock into the other job of studying wow. to make sure that you like on top of the stuff you need to know for the next day at the hospital. Right, so right. <laughs> it just, it, the, the, the the times just wasn't like working out. It's still at a point where I could, but I just, uh, I only get like a few hours to myself within a day or within a week anyway. So I try to like do as much non-medical stuff as I can. So uh, the TikTok kind of transition kind of happened from there. I started, uh, I had an experience on my OBGYN rotation where I literally walked in and within like 10, 15 minutes of, being in the uh, in the hospital, I was delivering the baby. I was like, huh? Like what? And <laughs> wow. I just literally just came back to the car on lunch and just literally told the story. you were delivering the baby. I was oh delivering God. a baby within seconds. It is still crazy to this day. Were you like, terrified? What how I mean, what was this like? I mean <laughs> I walked into the hospital. I can tell you right. exactly what happened. I walked into the hospital and I was uh, supposed to be getting like my like welcome to OBGYN kind of like tour the hospital. Yeah. But when we got to uh labor and delivery, somebody was going to the labor and one of the other uh one of the other attendants was like, well why don't he just join in? Like we got one happening right now. Whoa. I walk in the room. Uh it could not have been more than like maybe three, four minutes. And wow, they like, dropped you in the water, man. No, they, they said, look. And they'll, that's what I said on the video. Like, can I, where the bathroom? Like, where, where the, can I get the, the, the basic details, the cafeteria, bro? Can you help a brother out? I walked in and I was delivering baby. I was like, oh, okay, so this is OB. And I literally just told the story on my lunch break. And um, from there, Literally within like 48 hours, it was just like millions of views, millions of views, interaction, engagement. Uh, within a day, probably like 40,000 followers. Uh, within two days, like 55,000. And when the video like finally kind of trailed off and started like simmering down after like a week or two, it was like 60 something thousand followers on TikTok. It was crazy. Wow. It was crazy. Wow. 
So okay. I'm very new to like the influencer space. People try to make me this like big celebrity. I'm like, I was just, I was just literally doing whatever. Like, no, literally three months ago, I was just a regular person. But I'm still a regular person now. I'm not even like, I don't make a big deal out of it. I just think it's just um, a way to have a larger impact than what I could have done like before that. So I'm grateful for it. Well, I, I am happy that you did it because imagine the impact especially for the young people coming along that want to, they're always wondering, uh, you know, what is it like? Uh, let's say for their first day, you know, at the hospital, you know, or first day of clinical, or what is it like, you know, after you're done with your classes, now you literally have to go for the clinical. So what do I do, <laughs> right? So, uh, um, by the way, I, I ever since I've watched you on TikTok, I also went and I looked, and I've noticed that many people are doing are posting their experience in medical school. Uh, yeah, it's a I, thing. It's a thing. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I kept on wondering. I I wonder, hmm, was it that because of Dr. Harris, <laughs> right? I kept on wondering. <laughs> I didn't start it. What I was saying, and I think that's what made it so. I think that's why I like warmed my heart the way it did. Okay. Um, there, for for that one video that I that I dropped on that day, I could probably find you like a thousand more like it. Like it's not uncommon for people. the 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 term is called a medfluencer. It's very cringe to me. I don't like subscribing to that term. Right. But it's it's actually considered a thing for you to okay. like be within like the medical student or like just medical space. Uh, uh, PA, uh, medical student, nursing, or whatever, and, like document your experiences. You consider like med influencer, yeah. and there's nothing special about what I did that day in regards to uh, how common it's done by other people. But the way that it blew up just made me I, I beg, I beg to about differ. how I did it. So I beg to differ for someone. I mean, yeah. uncommon. I mean, your first day in the clinical, <laughs> you're delivering a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, that's what I keep that's what I keep like anchoring on the fact that like it could have happened to anybody at any time but it, it, it happened to me and I like organically told the story as myself and people just really vibed with it just off me being like my uh, just organic like regular self it's the same way I would have would have had a conversation with you or anybody else and I think um what made it such a big deal is just that that authenticity that's kind of like yeah. That can be lacking in like medical and just professional spaces. All the other people right. uh, wanting to be too too suited and booted and um, not uh, being afraid to be like relatable or comical. In, even when it um, even in times where, um, where even in spaces that are considered professional, but I think even in those spaces where that tone is kind of needed the most because people feel the most ostracized and out and isolated and just kind of um, unheard. So to have somebody to uh, convey the same information in a way that's just relatable, I think was just refreshing to people. So yeah, yeah. that's who I am. I'm glad they liked it because it ain't changing. So I'm like, well, 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 I'm glad. I'm glad that you did it. Also, especially coming from the fact that um, it's a person of color, right? Right. That is relating uh, his experience, um, you know, at the hospital, a medical doctor, right? Um, so that's that's a big deal, right? So because you literally you've become 
you will become a household name and you will become you are an influencer, you affect and impact other young people who now actually are on TikTok. Uh, you know, as you know, you know, we would like to see more of uh, people of color uh, in the STEM and medical field, right? Uh, in STEAM, actually. So I think uh, you you are actually a substance <laughs> more than you think, right? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so uh, which brings me, so how does it feel? So did you expect, actually, did you expect to gain such notoriety the moment you Wait, did you? No, no. It was I had no intention. I, I don't even know what was my intention in, in recording it that day. Um, I had like, at that time, which is why I'm grateful for the time and that it happened too. At that time, I only had maybe like three to four other videos on my TikTok. Like you literally couldn't even go on my page and scroll. Like it didn't right. exist. So whatever the magnitude of that video was had to be enough for people to get put their eyes on my page. Right. And you know how you you know how like videos will go viral and you'll go on someone's page and see that they like don't post about that thing regularly and you let just kind of go about your business just like yeah. okay. He yeah. was funny this one time, but he not really like but <laughs> for you to like go to my profile and right. like sixty thousand people to see that I only had three other videos and still be willing to like follow my entire life off of that. It's still just like humbling me. Like this, this super, super cool. So wow. So have you've been posting stuff ever since, and uh, and that brings me to my next question. Uh, must be really, you know, you must spend a lot of hours right, creating, you know, videos that you post on and on TikTok, right? So how do you balance creating content and also medical school? Uh, must be tough, right? <laughs> It, it absolutely is tough. And I think I've come to a point where I've decided to kind of like take the reins okay. uh, back and just, um, like I said, the the authenticity and and like um, this organic feel of what I did that first time is what made it so popular. Mm -hmm. So I've never put myself in a position where I feel like, oh my God, I'm coming up on the one week mark. I got to post content, got to post content, got to post content. Mm -hmm. And like, be forcing stuff out and have it feel like inorganic or rushed. I just, I'm just not in like the business of doing it like that. So um, as the ideas come to me, yeah. as like sounds that interest me, like arise and ideas just come to me, I usually make time I'm on the weekend to like record them and then just post them like the next week. And honestly, social media honestly isn't built for people that are like that. Um, TikTok, and Instagram and all the other platforms out there like almost bully you and they want to like post content consistently because it yeah. affects your like views and your ratings yeah. and how much you circulate. But just my mind is in a different like place right now where I cannot make that a primary like priority. And even if I did, it wouldn't be as genuine as, as what made that first video so special. So if I, I can give you like something great every like, three weeks versus something that I just like forced every three, four days. I think it's, it's, it goes just as far, if not further, honestly. Okay. Uh, so uh, once you're done, you be, you're done with your clinical, your residency and all that, you really start your professional journey on your mm -hmm. own. Uh, do you see yourself continuing uh, posting stuff or? <laughs> I know That's I'm a good question. Yeah. And I 
my intention always was to, of course, even starting from YouTube, I had intentions of like going down this path in some degree. I didn't expect it to like take off, off. <laughs> 48 hours. Right. This was my intended like course anyway. So it's not something that I like kind of had to like reel in real quick and like convince myself to do like on the spot. I already had intentions of kind of going in this direction. This kind of gave me a push and a like affirmation to know that it's something that's like doable and like desired from me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I, I definitely see myself doing that. I see myself even now opportunities have come up for me to be um, just a voice of advocacy and the need to like reform the like uh, the modern like patient doctor experience. Like I I literally have like a talk scheduled um, in like two months where I'm speaking on what that video did for me and how I'm using it to like um to like refine right. Right. that relationship because it's just um for that for that moment to be so special to people, I think it just indicates how few doctors we have out there can um can be like as relatable. Yeah. And I think that's a problem. Um yeah. and using the platform as a way to uh to, to spin it and bring awareness to that problem, I think is uh, kind of the next step for me. Yeah. As far as like leveraging it, leveraging the opportunity like professionally, I think is the next step for me. Absolutely, absolutely. Because that you lead me to, uh, that led us to, uh, or leads me to the next question about companies must be reaching out to you. But uh, obviously, yes, uh, you're a 10 right now. You're on fire. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, even I myself, remember before we even start talking, I was actually thinking about how. You're like, hold up. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah. the, the beauty about someone like you is uh, you're young, you know, you're educated, you're in the medical field, uh, you know, um, you, you, you know, you're savvy when it comes to technology and social media. So, and, and you are a person of color. Right, that can actually, you know, uh, have an impact. Right, uh, you can be a voice for your generation and have an impact on the young people coming along. You're Absolutely. relatable, so so all this I see in you, and uh, you know, I can just. Uh, so, are you considering the companies that I have that I've reached out to you? Are you considering taking them on their offer? Uh, or you still want to sort of wait and see until you're done with, you know, uh, the priority, which is medical school right now. I'm I'm just very like protective of, and I and I I, I don't say that like uh, like it's just like people just lined up at the door to get like a piece of Norman. Like it's not just like blocks and blocks of people like screaming and hollering my name. Like right. uh, the companies that do approach me, um, I just try to be intentional about. Um, about the like the age of my brand like it's very young and uh i just try to be intentional about um which ones i accept and who and um how i go about like uh molding this brand into what i want it to be so uh things that i things that i um uh, things that align with it uh, I, I always like at least uh entertain some have fallen through some have gone through but I'm 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 open. I'm just being very uh, intentional about how I'm moving forward with it. That is fair. That is fair. Uh, that's smart too. 
uh, absolutely. So, uh, so here is a question. Currently, you are doing, uh, I guess, you're doing a rotation currently, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, how is it like? I mean, do you sleep? <laughs> Ooh, you chose the wrong lady. Ask me that. Look, <laughs> look. That's why my eyes closing now. Let me, let me. Let, okay, let's go through it. Let's go through a day like in the life. Um, I just came from internal medicine. Now I'm on surgery. Okay. I'll give you. I, let me give you an IM day, and I'll give you a a, a surgery day. Um, internal mm -hmm. medicine is just like general adult medicine, working like the floors at hospital. You can be inpatient or you can be outpatient. Uh, at Temple, your internal medicine rotation is inpatient because we have a separate like family medicine rotation that's all outpatient. So I would wake up. Um, I would wake up like 5.30 to be at the hospital at 7. Hmm. Um, from 7 to 9, I would pre-round or go and check on my patients, uh, get any updates for things that happen to them overnight, um, check on their vitals, um, kind of pull kind of pull in their story for the last 24 hours together and um, try to prepare that in what we call like a presentation that we give for each patient on rounds. Okay. And rounds is just when we go around and either at a table or going around room to room, discuss what happens with each patient over the last 24 hours, um, give like the 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 uh, data that backs up the things that have happened and then propose a plan mm -hmm. for the next day to address that data. So from seven to nine, I may come in and my patient tell me that they have uh, been vomiting for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. I go and I, uh, I look at their labs. I look at all the things that would indicate that they've been vomiting and I would try to uh, fix that within my plan and try to put them either on, uh, put them on uh, medicines that would fix it or try to correct the, like electrolyte imbalances that would come from uh, vomiting or anything like that. Hmm. Um, and that's kind of like the flow of the day. So from seven to nine, I do my pre, I do my pre rounds. I prepare my presentations for my patients at nine o'clock is when we actually do round. And then we talk about each patient individually that usually goes from like nine to like eleven thirty, sometimes twelve. You go to lunch from uh at twelve. You usually have a lecture at one. Mm -hmm. Come back and you check on your patients in the evening around like two two thirty. You run the list in the evening and do like kind of evening rounds. It's like an abbreviated abbreviated version of what we did that morning. Kind of give updates on on the things that you said that you would do that morning mm -hmm. uh, around like three three thirty, and then the rest of the day is just kind of like uh completing any other tasks that may come up, writing notes or things like that. You usually go home between like anywhere between like three and five is usually like the average. Only time that would change is if you have like cold days because you have days where you are uh, on standby in case there's like a cold blue or rapid, rapid response in the hospital. And that can kind of throw your schedule off in any kind of way. Because of course, as soon as it happens, we drop everything, we just run. So mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of like the feel of like an average internal medicine day. Like okay. seven to like three to five. Surgery is kind of the same feel, except for that rounds are a lot shorter and you operating throughout that time. You're not really seeing patients. You seeing them, but you operating on them. And that's from like today I work six to six wow. to give context. Like wow. for free. Wow. For free. <laughs> so yeah. Are you not so paying? Talking about like not getting wow. sleep. I'm like. Wow. Do I have a story for you? Like, yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Honestly, six to six can be on the uh, 
that can be on the light side for some places. I've heard um, it's some schools where search you can be working like fourteen hours, like. Wow. A nice 10 to 12 is like a nice, like, middle ground. So I'm just preparing myself to, like, truck through these, like, seven weeks and try to finish strong. Because this is, the, like like I said, the last rotation of the third year. So. so talking about surgery, do you ever, you know, I mean, you're in the city, I take it. Uh, mm. And there are, especially now with the gun violence, you know, all over. Um, so do you ever come across a situation whereby you have to, you know, you know, help out with someone. Yeah, actually, that um, our our surgery service, especially at Temple, is divided into different like specialties. Mm -hmm. So I'm currently on burn now, so I'm not seeing as much of that. I'm seeing a lot of like, uh, I'm seeing a lot of like, um, kind of like accidents, like okay. people who were people who were um, cooking and like the cooking oil fell on them, or people who um having issues with like space heaters or um apartment or house fires things like that um uh, but my next uh we do two services per rotation and i'm currently on burn the second okay. half will be in trauma okay. and trauma is what kind of handles all like the gunshots and mm -hmm. all of those types of things that will come through so i'm sure that'll be a very like uh humbling and rewarding experience um <laughs> intense too. <laughs> yeah but, i can't imagine um, i'm still excited for it because <laughs> like, like you 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 come to school to like experience as much as you can and even though i'm not like just a gung-ho like surgeon that's part of the reason why i just want to go all out and just like do it like why not like right. it's probably the, the hardest out it's probably the hardest i'll work hours may potentially be worse than what i'm doing now uh but it's for the experience so i'm i'm i'm, I'm down for it do you do you ever feel like a scrimmage? I mean, not the kind of cringy about you know uh, the wounds and uh, what you. Have. I thought I thought I would. I yeah. thought I would be a lot more squeamish, and I got to I get to like the OR and even like some of the like worst burns. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Like whatever. Like. I don't know. I get it's something very different about like seeing it on a picture. Like I will be, I will look at a picture and be like, "Oh my god!" But if I see it in person, I'm just like, right. "Okay, let's fix it." Because at, at that point, you have the it's within your ability to do something about it. It's not just like, "Ugh." It's like, "Okay, let's let's fix it." Like, yeah. And by by the way, that question was for my daughter. I'm trying to get yeah. her going to medical school, but she spite <laughs> of blood and all that. You know, she doesn't you know care much. I yeah, I tell her that it's not that bad, but hopefully, if she hears it from you, maybe that's yeah, her mind. Right now, she has settled on engineering, so hopefully, mm. yeah, she's. I'm the type of person. I actually had this conversation the other day. I believe is a type of doctor for every type of person. I think it's only a matter of it's only a matter of who is willing to put the work in and who is not. Right. People think you want you have to be this outgoing person or it is absolute genius to be a doctor you can go through this training and you can get to the end and you you have people that like go through every day and don't see any patients wow. you got radiologists pathologists that just like deal with like data and stuff you got people that go through days and only deal with people mm -hmm. um just kind of like using their just mouthpiece all day i am pediatrics things like that that are very like conversationally heavy and relationship driven yeah. you got people that come in that are like doers people that want to just do surgery all day and have a uh, have people interaction but 
letting it be on a more like a uh, invasive kind of like level of actually having the privilege to like fix the thing that they are diagnosing and those are like the surgeons so you got it's it's it's, it's literally a spot for every type of person it's a matter of who wants to put in the work and who doesn't so i'm glad that you said that because a lot of times uh the, this young generation of people interested young people interested in medical school or medicine need to know that uh, there are different specialty, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So pr probably because they're used to seeing one kind of a doctor or medical doctor, not realizing that it is a broad field, really. So I am glad that you uh, put a plug on that. Uh, when, yeah. With the long hours and all that, what makes you want to become a medical doctor or pursue Ooh, a career I ask in medicine? That every day. I'm still trying to figure it out. Loud, loud, loud. Uh, <laughs> um, that is such a good question. I think, um, I think just knowing myself and getting okay. to know myself and really what makes me tick. Like I said, I've had um, kind of from the um, kind of from like the backstory that I've given um, from all like the recent like. Um, interviews and things that I've done, I've kind of shared about my um, past experience as an actor. I was a child actor and I've kind you of were, like gone. Really? An actor? Really? Oh, that, did I not share that with you? Yet? Oh my God. If you name it, I've done it. It's actually kind of crazy. I've hiked down like an entirely like different role in life. Like I got to the point where oh it was starting to get like- You are a celebrity. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. <No. laughs> I was a I was a child actor for, wow. and uh, kind of chased that road all the way out, wow. and got to the point where it was actually beginning to get like serious, like pack up and move to LA type serious. And oh, it was at the gig that I did before that that I realized, like, wow, I'm I'm not really like personally fulfilled if I'm like mm -hmm. only using the comedic side of my personality, like. Mm -hmm. I got a lot to offer as a person right. and like right. a lot to contribute. And I feel like, I felt like being like, um, I felt like only using just that one side just didn't serve my full purpose for what I could do. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm a lot more from fulfilled from like uh, directly physically helping people and watching my impact on them. Yeah. Um, and I experienced things like that through like the tutoring and mentoring program I told you in high school, like the kind of yeah. initiatives I was able to do while I was at Howard, the impact mm -hmm. I was able to have abroad. Like I, I know for myself what makes me like tick. And it's right. like doing things like this, like directly helping people, getting them the resources, resources that they need and um, making making a difference on like a day to day tangible basis. Not that a comed a comedian can't. But it's just in a more indirect way. I'll never know whose day I made directly versus yeah. like uh, mm -hmm. with being a doctor. So I kind of switched gears on um, leading with more like the academic side and letting like the comedic side of myself complement instead of doing it vice versa. And that's what's been the most uh, comfortable for me. So the kind of the version of norman that the whole world sees now is uh really the same person just kind of like flipping my approach instead of like being like outright funny and like 
secretly like smart in the background. Yeah. It's just like leading yeah. with the intelligence and letting the letting the comedic factor be something that kind of like shades it in and gives right. it a perspective that people don't often see. So that's that's kind of been um that's kind of been my motivation to do because I know how uncommon that is. Um my motivation has come from like making sure that I'm in the spaces with this type of personality to help the people that I know needed um and may not get the help if it didn't come in this kind of like package because i know in some of these spaces that i'm headed towards um if i wasn't there somebody else would be able to do it but they wouldn't be able to do it like just like me yeah so i think my my why is kind of like entangled in knowing the impact that i can have by being by the experiences that i've had and like what i'm bringing to the table just as a doctor all together so Nice. I think it's a complete package, personally. And I love the fact that uh, the other, uh, the artistic side of you, and, and yeah. I, actually that actually causes me to ask you, does it actually help you in your medical career? That- oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Hands down. Hands down. And I, and I think that's why I'm, I think that's why even though I'm inexperienced in like the medical aspect of things, like there is nothing you can tell me about like connected with human beings like mm-hmm. please like what no like <laughs> right. I, and that's always what I get for like evaluations and stuff too after every rotation you kind of get feedback on what you should what you can work on things you got to improve on and like they write up this feedback and it's in a letter that they send your residency programs in order to like uh basically like lobby for you to be accepted by the residency programs mm-hmm. and my feedback is always like the same each time like easy to talk to, like, loved by the patients, loved by the office staff. Yeah. It's just a matter of, like, getting, like, the, in, it's, it's a matter of getting, like, the business stuff of medicine that I have to work on, like, right. and that's what, that's what I'm in school for, so I'm, I'm okay right. with that. If, yeah. if I can go in and I can, I can, like, make a patient feel heard or feel, like, listened to, yeah. and right. I just don't get right. the information in, like, the most perfect way, I'm cool with that because that's something right. I can learn with in 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 time versus somebody who gets all the facts right but just right. can't convey it to anybody because they don't feel connected to them. So yeah, being able to relate, you're the kind of doctor I like to have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, my I one of the things you. that I yeah one of the things that I love about my my primary doctor really yeah he's just like you. He's so relatable. Uh, by the way, to put a plug for him, his name is. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, his name is Dr. Richard Cook. He is, shout him out. Shout yeah, him out. Shout him out. Uh, right now, he's one of the uh, one of my favorite doctors, really. He's very relatable, personable, uh, just like you. Uh, so uh, I think that uh, keep that quality. Keep that, please. Uh, that, Thank you. That is really very important. There is nothing that is so, uh, I don't know, I, you know, so dry if you have a dry doctor, right? No, <laughs> so, no honestly. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not, so if you want if you want to be a good doctor, you have to be relatable. Definitely. Absolutely. Be like Dr. Nair, uh, Dr. Harris or Dr. Richard Cook. Uh, that I put a plug out for him. So uh, so one thing is um I know we're we're running out of time, but um as a person of color, how is how is it like being uh, a medical student as a person of color? Uh, or, you know, what are some of the barriers that 
you know, that you experience trying to pursue or make your dreams come true. And also follow up with that question. I know there are three questions there because of time. Uh, were there some support system if you were to offer some advice to young people coming along, right? Um, <clears throat> so right now you're giving back to your community. What will it be? Okay, do you mind sharing, please? Yeah. So kind of like the um the experience of being like um just black in medicine altogether, I think can be it is very specifically framed by where you choose to train. Um I'm I'm blessed enough to be at Temple where the atmosphere is very, very supportive. Um our um numbers in terms of like minority recruitment and things like that are always like they, they actually like blow my mind. I would have never mm -hmm. thought to have this kind of experience um at a non-HBCU medical school and coming from an HBCU background. That's something I was very um very intense on seeking out places mm -hmm. where I would feel comfortable and supported and heard. And um I felt like that during my time at Temple and Temple's entire mission is to be like integrated into the North Philadelphia community. So you can't, you can't separate that out from, uh, you can't separate the school out from the mission. Like if you're going to be there, I think they're very good at um, knowing that they are like strangers there and okay. seeking out the resources that's necessary to like to connect with the community in the ways that they need to and provide them the resources that they need to and uplift them in whatever ways that they can, mm -hmm. which is not, the same narrative as many other schools in many other neighborhoods that that uh, resemble North Philly. It's okay. usually not the narrative. It's like uh, more so um, using a population as a way to like train and get like the experience you need without like um, helping them in return. And mm -hmm. I think it's a very mutual relationship, at least with the medical school, in regards to how Temple uh, operates in the community. And I think that trickles down to also the student experience and how like value we feel as well. So. Um, I, I think that that from that standpoint is good. I think once you get away from like the uh, once you get away from like the uh, the safety net that the school provides and just get into the general just a uh, pool of medicine that we'll all get dumped into yeah. is a totally different story. That is it's a totally different story. Like you wow. gotta have thick skin. You okay. gotta be ready for what. Um, you gotta realize that everybody doesn't share the same background. You gotta uh, be just open and willing to like work with patients and kind of like halfway meet them where they are, be prepared to like, be prepared to like, um, choose your battles and choose your words wisely when dealing with those battles. Like it's a, it's, I think it's something that happens with practice and that you won't know how to overcome until you like face with it. Um, I've been lucky to not have a lot of experiences like that, but I have had a few just dealing with like, uh, just patience um but i think it's just part of the job and i think you got a part of what helps me deal with that is just knowing that people kind of have the same goal at the end of the day um even if you're at the end of the day you just want to be cared for well and if you questioning my fitness to care for you it's it's still in the intention of you wanting to be well yeah. it's just it's just got like them undertones of like bias in it. Like 
it's my job to like reassure you that even though I look like this and you're not used to having providers like this, I'm just as like equipped to help you fulfill that goal. Like, let me help you get there. It's kind of usually like my approach in like dealing with patients like that. So that, that kind of just helps me to like remain level-headed. If you, if you, if you process it any other way, you'll be somewhere like pulling your hair out. So I'm like, wow. that's, that's the best way to deal with it for me. Good. Um, Go ahead, please continue. I want to go with like the support system part you were saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. uh, as far as just having a support system, it's just um, important to like remind yourself of how doable this can be. Mm-hmm. And you don't recognize how doable it can be until you connect with other people that you can relate to that have done it, mm-hmm. which is why it, it just kind of goes back to the importance of like conversations like this and like platforms like this. Um, when you see it, you believe it. We didn't. We in a generation where it's like you said, TikTok, Instagram, it's video, 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 double tap, scroll, scroll, scroll. Like if I, if you're not showing it to me, I don't believe it. Like see it to believe it, or done deal. So to have to have somebody that can like um, that can illustrate that it's possible instead of kind of just like blowing smoke, I think is uh, very, very impactful. I think it waits for this generation specifically. Um, compared to those of the past. Is there anything from your high school, middle school, uh, any advice that you can give teachers, educators, policymakers that could really help uh, in, you know, keeping uh, students like you who are interested in medical school focused and and, uh, pursuing uh, this uh, career in medicine? I think um i think i think it's 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 kind of two pronged and i can speak on it specifically actually having like a a, a kind of education ish background okay. i think one is like getting to them early okay and like fully convincing them that they can do it and um two is just like establishing that like expectation of excellence for them to like rise up to um in order to achieve that thing too i'll never forget um during my gap year before even the fulbright experience i, I taught school um back home i was like a um kind of like a ta slash like teacher uh back home for a minute for like one semester before i left and went to uh school before I, before I left and went to the uh, to South Africa for the Fulbright program, and I just remember like me being like fresh out of undergrad and having like a classroom and like uh, the proximity that I had to the students, yeah, and uh, <clears throat> how appreciated it was for them for them to see somebody that had, like just done it and to like give the information to them just in a like raw natural way and convince them that they could do it. Um, even just individual experiences with students that like uh, where I could tell I was the first one that actually believed in them like okay you want to do this okay let's talk about how we're going to make it happen mm-hmm. oh you want to do this okay bet so I need back tomorrow I need a plan how you going to do this 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 and this and we're going to work it out because as long as as long as we just talking then we just talking the second that we put that plan in like motion and put action behind it and words to the paper and like steps on how to accomplish each objective then it's a plan it's not even a dream like and if and if that's what you want to do and you've convinced yourself that you can 
then you will. So, excellent. Uh, I like that advice. Actually, putting it down, having a plan, writing it mm -hmm. down, you know, and then making sure that uh, you're helping them follow through, uh, rather than just talking. Uh, I think that's a really good advice. Uh, yeah. You said you did mention you're a teacher, and uh, that teaching <clears throat> a part of you was accentuated when you were when you went to Howard University. You started an initiative at uh, Howard University, and uh, through that initiative, you know it took off across Howard University, right? Mm -hmm. You're also the king of your dormitory. You want yes. to <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you well, give you these. Uh, we'll give you these facts now. Hold on now. <laughs> you want to share a little bit? Because look, look, and let, let me tell you something. Look, look, I remember, man, my parents, you know, when I was coming along, when I was younger, they were, they're man, they tried to convince me to go and live in the dorms. Man, I refused that. I mean, for many years. But finally, what I did, man, that was the most happiest time ever in my life. Listen. I, it helped, helped me focus. Because why? Because now I'm with my peers. We were doing the same thing. We were pursuing the same goal, and that kept me focused. That kept me focused, literally. But guess what? You did even better than me. You started an initiative. So tell us a little bit about that, and tell us about how is it like being the king of your dormitory? You know, <laughs> you, you, did you, you, did you boss everybody along. <laughs> How you want me to be a celebrity <laughs> so bad? Okay, so just just the culture of like how and like uh just HBC HBCU culture. Anyways, it's like everything is like it's internal like friendly competition, and I like I credit Howard for um for so much of the um the leadership potential that I kind of like unveil within myself by being in a in a uh, in a such a supportive. Uh, space like that um my initiative that I started from being out I was like I was the king of my individual dorm then I uh ended up um achieving the rank of being like the king of like all the dorms mm -hmm. and I started like a tutoring program uh based off my high school experience right. and uh I started a tutoring program it was very simple all I did was like pair students within the same dorm yeah. with um with um with tutors who are also in that dorm wow. so here we are like a community of students that's in the same four four walls you got an f in algebra and they got an a and we like not, not talking to each other i was like huh right. like what are you talking about and it is it it made so much sense and i just i just i i made i made that like a uh, template for them to be like paired together right. and it, it, it was just as simple as that and it ended up, it worked to the point where, like, it got picked up by uh, when I when I moved up to the position of being a wild dorms. I, I tried to spread it across campus, and it became like an actual thing um, because the um, the universities like tutor resources can only go so far yeah. because they, of course, they work on like business hours. They close at four thirty. They close at five. Like when you yeah. get done with class and meetings and extracurriculars, band practice, step practice, whatever you do when you get back to the dorm at 10 o'clock, yeah. who else is up? Only yeah. other students that's doing the same stuff. So you can get the help you need at midnight at two in the morning yeah. for whatever you need. And it's, it just worked out. 
Wow. I, I think I like your, uh, your, your initiative. That is pretty good. I remember when I was in college, undergraduate, especially, you know, when I was interested in pursuing engineering degree, chemical engineering. Um, I used to remember I and uh, many of my classmates, we really meet at the cafeteria. We set up a big table and we sit around the table and we're working our problems, right? Uh, so your system, I, I like your system. No, no, I, but, but again, one of the things is, is the time limitation though. Uh, but yours, I mean, even where after everybody is gone, you can still find someone, right, around you know past ten o'clock, that mm -hmm. you know you can that you can hook up with that can help you, right, mm -hmm. uh, to, you know, with that assignment of that you're really struggling with. So this is really uh, a good initiative, and I hope that you know um, other people that are listening to this program, especially college students. I always tell my students, especially because I'm an educator right now, is that I tell them, when you go to college, one of the things that you need to learn to do is network, surround yourself with people that think like you, people that are pursuing the same dream like you, form a network whereby you basically can call somebody up, you know, you can walk together, go to the cafeteria, you know, do those assignments together. Don't copy each other's work, but guess what? be each other's support, right? So now that they're listening to you too, guess what? Uh, especially the leaders in this dormitory, uh, I would like to encourage them to take your initiative and put it into action. Uh, you need to do it. I can tell you, I can tell you right now how yeah. important that is. We, we've had like extensive discussions on kind of like the uh, kind of the South Africa thing and how yeah. all the experiences from Howard kind of like um, spread to me being able to like provide those kind of uh, uh, to provide that kind of impact even like abroad but I only applied for the Fulbright program because yeah. of those people within that circle that you're talking about that told me like you're gonna like like literally drag me down to the office like oh, oh you're going to I'm like <laughs> I'm not about to get no fool, right? But like, I hate it. Congratulations, by the way. I coached a couple step team. Oh, my, my, my. You know what I'm saying? Whatever, whatever. Yeah. And applied for it and got it and was literally funded by the U.S. government to go overseas and share my story. Like, man, I'm, man, I am you've mentioned that is that um, you don't know how important you became. I mean, here in the fraternities and even in the sorority, there is um, something that is really special, okay? To every fraternity across the country is the step dancing, right? I mean, but you took it one step, you took it to another level. When you went to South Africa, on your Fulbright teaching in South Africa, right? You were able to connect with uh, to your brothers and sisters in South Africa and relate the step dancing to the dancing in Africa. And they didn't even know that they were, what they were doing or what they did, what their ancestors have done actually has contributed to the culture here in the United States. 
Absolutely. You, you are a connector. You're a bridge. You, you know, you're a bridge between two cultures, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I, can you please tell us about that experience? Man? No, I, I stare at the wall sometimes and shake my head like, mm, mm, like it's so crazy. Like, um, once again, going back to just everything and how we're being just like competitive and like in friendly competition. But in that competition, it just brings out so much like leadership um, potential from the people that like partake in it. So I stepped from my dorm during my freshman year. Uh, I coached my that step team from my dorm until I graduated. And I also uh, coached the team where all the dorms that all the dorms come together and competed on one big team that represented the school and like competed like regionally. And I coached that team as well. So um, in the peak of my like Howard like career, I was like the king of the dorm coaching two step teams and doing all this stuff. Like I would leave out my dorm and like, eight in the morning and come back some days like two, three in the morning. If we got a show coming up and we running steps and we like market formations and scripts and do, ma- ma- like making it happen, are we putting in work? Because if, if Norman Harris name on it, you, you think we about to look crazy? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, baby. So I, w- I was very like invested in like the the, the culture on campus. But uh, like I said, it, w- it was one of those people within my circle, within my like kind of village on campus that is that, uh, inspired me to apply for uh, the Fulbright. And the Fulbright is basically just an opportunity to either do research or teach English abroad, but they give a competitive advantage to people that can also like be cultural ambassadors at the same time. And I ended up applying to South Africa um, based off of the reasoning that you kind of just explained. So uh, all the steps that I was able to do at Howard, it only is possible because of the uh, or- origin of the of the original dance, the kumbu dancing from South Africa, and being able to frame that inside of a proposal and present that and have it accepted, and being funded to go there and and share that experience with them is something I will never forget. Like I was supposed to be over there for a year, but due to COVID, it ended up getting shortened to only like three months. But they. Absolutely. And of course, in their like current climate, like post apartheid climate where they're still dealing with like uh, still dealing with discrimination and racism. They had no clue that something that they did, like as just a cultural practice, had like global implications. Like you said, that's the cornerstone. That's that's a a cornerstone of like black American culture. Like who don't know Stephen? Like Stephen, like really? They had no clue. They had no clue, and they yeah. ate it up. They ate it up. And that's also something you can find on, like, I got the videos on my YouTube. For anybody that's interested in, like, the videos, it's on my on my YouTube. It's the Chalk Doc, just one word. And I think it's, like, the first and second video that I ever posted on YouTube. It's kind of recapping that experience and giving videos of us at practice and all that type of stuff. But, well, you've done really well, and uh, I just want to say thank you. Uh, you know, for the impact that you are having here in the United States and also bridging the two cultures. Uh, to be honest with you, we have a lot in common than, uh, than what divides really. Um, Absolutely. So, and I and, and you really demonstrated it beautifully. Uh, you know, Dr. Harris, I just want to really thank you for taking the time to come and uh, share and talk with me about uh, how you became a phenomena 
All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and also in the process, right, share your experience as a medical doctor, right, and also your impact and how you were able to bridge uh, the two cultures, United States, African-American culture here in the United States and also Africa. You now you're making us kind of feel like, okay, we're one people. So we all have to just see it and believe it, right? <laughs> So I just want to thank you. Is there any final thing that you want to say that we didn't capture? I can sit down here and really keep talking with you. But I know no, that's what I said. I can talk no. all night. So don't don't let it be all on right. me. I think if I had to if I had to say anything to close, it would just be um like I said, uh, my, my whole vibe is just making sure that um from whatever background, I think there's a need for um not only just diversity and just ethnicity, but diversity in like experience and personality in like um in just in just in just every factor of what could make a person different so that we can like have the best possible like range of care that we can for like the diverse population that we serve. So I'm all about like in whatever way in whatever way you feel like um connected to me or my or what I bring to the table I'm just I'm just using whatever I got to make people feel like there's a space in medicine and in professional spaces for them whether you identify with the with my ethnicity with my personality with just who I am and my background and my lived experience there's a place for African Americans for minorities for goofy people for quiet people everywhere in these spaces and people need to be, to be, be people need to know that. So that's the mission. That's the mission. Thank you so much. Uh, STEAM is vital, vital to our community. STEAM and medicine is vital to our community because our community's health, economy, and future depends on it and on the solid foundation and participation in the innovation taking place in STEAM and medical field. Today, I have the honor to be talking to Dr. Harris. Dr. Harris, thank you so much for coming to InTouch Think Team Podcast.